Hey there, this is Julie from Blended Life. Thank you for taking the time to download this episode of our podcast. I hope you find value in it. The truth is though, sometimes you need more than a podcast can offer to get unstuck and find peace in your blended family life. The struggle is real. So this is a personal journey I've been on for years, seeking peace in circumstances and with people I can't control. Becoming Heard was born out of this quest. As a certified life and health coach, I am passionate about helping others just like you and me free themselves from chronic upset and chronic crisis mode. Right now, I'm offering Blended Life listeners a one-on-one free breakthrough session with me. This call will give you clarity to see if coaching is right for you. Take advantage of this opportunity now by emailing me at becomingheardnow at gmail.com. I can't wait to connect with you. Hey everyone, I'm Eric. This is my wife, Julie. And we are The Blended Life. But before we get started, I have to apologize to everyone that planned on listening to us live today. We did a Windows update earlier and it completely just smashed our computers. And now our USB-C isn't working for some crazy unknown reason. Um, So... I have no idea what he just said, but sorry. So we are not live (laughs) for all of you who plan on listening to us. But I apologize. I will have this worked out and ready to go again by next Thursday. So tonight's topics are oh, Instagram. You guys are troopers. All right. So we're going to talk about in-laws. We're going to talk about teens and driving. Um, we're going to talk about how not to bring up your past hurt into your current relationship or your current marriage and what to do when you're caught between your biological children and your spouse in a blended family. Okay. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. But I feel like before we get into all that good stuff, um, I would like to address what was a bit of, <laughs> I call it a shit show, last episode about the whole hockey tournament <laughs> debacle. It, it's so funny it even was brought up. Yeah, because I thought it was a learning lesson and I apologize for even But you brought it up. It up. But I, like I said before, it's kind of good you did because it wasn't until we went through all of that and then I sat with it after the episode and I was feeling really bad about it and I really couldn't figure out why, but my brain circles the drain, um, which is really fun in therapy. I get in trouble for it a lot. <laughs> until I figure things out, in I our will- Our therapy or your therapy? Well, when I use my therapy, but um, I have to sit and process for a while. Like I'll replay conversations. I will literally circle the drain until I figure out what the problem is, what the solution is or anyway. So I'm sitting with this. I'm not, it's not feeling right. And then it hit me and I'm going to start either a blog or a meme I don't even know if meme's the right word, but that's just a like a series. picture with words on it. Yeah, but usually aren't they usually funny? funny? Yeah, this is not going to be funny. <laughs> no, but sometimes none not. of my stuff's funny, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> but I'll write it. It's called Wife Lessons. Okay. Instead of Life Lessons, you know, Wife Lessons. Yeah. But I'm bummed. But I'm bummed. But really, so the Wife Lesson that came out of. That argument we had on air, which is always really fun, um, was I'm I'm only looking at my feelings about the situation, but I miss the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is wife lesson 
is that women tend to get so focused on meeting everyone's needs. And that's kind of how we're built to nurture. But the point is, is that I was so worried about everybody's needs that I totally missed my husband's. And, well, it's, you know, you needed in that moment for me it to was, be. You know what, though? The let thing me is, finish my point. Oh, okay. I'm trying to be nice. Like, I get you should it. No, want I me just it. to keep talking at this yes, point. keep talking, please. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I missed. So, in that moment, right, you needed a cheerleader. You needed someone to be there for you. And I totally missed the mark I think on you're all missing that. The point. Okay. And I'm just going to interrupt you So my you again. wife lesson just goes to shit. I apologize, but it, it wasn't me awesome. needing a cheerleader. And uh, the reason I even did that in the first place is because I figured it was something that you would want and you would need. And I'm like, you're always looking for that photo op. And I'm sure the other moms can <laughs> empathize with this because you guys are always looking for the photo op. So I'm like, hey, we're still in our jerseys. We're still in our gear. Bring up the trophy. Let's take this picture. Like, it would be a good photo op. And I'm sure it's something that my wife is going to absolutely enjoy. Maybe your wives will enjoy this, and we will bring it here for them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's my point to your missed point. I apologize for interrupting. No, always schooling me. It's really fun. Um, But anyway, I think that... It's a good lesson for wives to learn is that you sometimes you need to put everyone else's needs aside because when you married your husband, right, you married him and vowed to put him first. And, you know, I think we get so caught up with everyone else and everyone else's needs and um, we kind of sidestep our husband or push our husbands to the side or put them on the back burner and take them for granted a little bit or... Don't celebrate them in the way they need. And so that is my wife lesson is what I learned is that I sometimes need to put my focus and my attention where it should be instead of because it's I I think what I was struggling with is that I was being completely unselfish. Like nothing about what went wrong was anything to do with what I wanted or me or anything selfish. And that's why I got so defensive. But that wasn't even the point. It's like I need to sometimes just direct my energy to you instead of others. Okay. Would you say that that's a good thing for wives to take in or is that all bullshit? No, I think it's a great thing for wives to take in. So regardless, that's what I got out of it. Cool. Okay. Cool. I appreciate that. Um, so let's talk about in-laws. I apologize for my voice today, you guys. I'm not feeling good. I've had, like, the flu. We have the HIV. It's going around. Yeah. yeah. We've so. got puking and coughing and I don't have bloody noses. Yet. and I don't have, yeah, I don't have any of that. I have the cough and the chest garbage. And green stuff. What is that? I, I don't know. It's from the chest. Maybe you're dying. I'm dying. Okay. Um, in-laws. So, we've talked a lot about in-laws on this podcast, but... Something I really want to address is the dangers if you have in-laws, if you are in-laws, when you're going to be in-laws someday, there's real consequences to not embracing your spouse, your, if you're an in-law, there is a consequence to not embracing your son or daughter's spouse. 
There you go. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not. If fa- you're I'm, if you're a mom and a dad, mom or dad, yeah, and your son or daughter gets married, yeah, if you fail to embrace their spouse, the consequence oh. of that, I'm like, I, yeah, okay, I'm trying to put myself in the situation. I'm like, I'm not there yet. <laughs> so like, my mom, yes, kind of keeps everyone at a distance. Yes, there's consequences to doing that. Of course, that's what we're talking about. Yes. Okay. Sorry, I'm slow tonight. You guys too. My, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. You're just going to sit here and look pretty, huh? I don't even do that tonight. <laughs> I don't feel good. I'm sorry. That's all right. Well, so I want to talk about that because I think that when, I think that if you're a, a daughter-in-law or a son-in-law, you really feel the effects of an in-law not embracing you. And I think in a bit blended family, In-laws can be super tricky because they've already had to deal with divorce and the aftermath and everything that has gone wrong and everything offensive. And now you've got shared custody. And, you know, I'll speak for my own mom. You know, she's kind of leery. Well, I keep getting married, apparently. So, you know, she's kind of distrusting of every situation I get myself into. But the the sad part of that or the consequence of that is that you're missing out on being a part of a family that you really want to embrace, but don't. Yeah. And it should be a lot better this time around, you would hope. Right. So it should be a good reason for them to engage now. But again, they have their drawbacks and their guard up. Yeah. Rightfully so. Yeah. But it just distances, you know, them from their child you know it doesn't make it doesn't well over time it should get better and i feel like over time like with your mom again for instance it has gotten better you know i've never felt like she's completely um not part of our family like your parents are completely part of our day to day in day out life Mm -hmm. family you know maybe not in the context that you would like them to be all the time Mm -hmm. you know um but we, we could be, we could be closer. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of times it can be personalities. You know, my mom is just not a embracing type of a personality with anyone. She's got her walls up, her guards up, everything, you know, going like that. But the consequence, like it just, it makes, I think it makes me feel more distant from her. Okay. You know, like I wish so much more. And it kind of like, and then I get defensive, you know, because I don't really feel safe to share. The other part of that is, is that I don't feel safe to share a lot with her because she's already got her guard up. She's already kind of leery about the situation. And so um, it's not safe to share with her because I don't want to push her farther away from our family or from you. Okay. Because I think that I really want us all to be embraced and us all to be treated the same and us all to be equals and everyone to just be loved. And when that doesn't happen, and I think that's a consequence that um, parents don't really think about when they become in-laws. Right. You know, it's like you are not only pushing your daughter or son-in-law away, but you are also pushing away your son or daughter, your biological children. Yeah, okay. And then if that. there are grandchildren in the picture, that gets even trickier because you're pushing 
you know, them farther away, the more awkward that in-laws make a situation, the less time they're going to FaceTime they're going to get, you know, with the other person. And unfortunately, spouses have a significant amount of pull when it comes to family life, especially daughters, right? Right. The women are the social planners. The women are kind of lead the family that way. And so when you're not feeling embraced and engaged, you're likely to kind of plan life around trying to not have the in-laws around or involved, or maybe you even stop inviting them. And maybe the in-laws don't care, but I can't imagine parents, uh, who anybody who has children just not caring. Right. Like, I don't care to be around them. I don't care to be around my grandchildren, so fuck it. Wow. Okay. You know? Um, so we had on Instagram someone write, my mother-in-law actually told me not to come home until she leaves my house from watching my stepdaughter because she doesn't want the competition. Like of the other, of the spouse? Like she doesn't want to compete with a spouse? I'm Again, I'm slow tonight. I'm sorry. No, I think that women have a lot of jealousy. I think that <laughs> when, well, I mean, when your son gets married, you feel like you're losing him to a woman. Okay. And especially if you're a mama's boy, that can be a hard pill to swallow. But I think that, yeah, she doesn't want to compete with her new daughter-in-law who is. Oh, not- this was a guy who wrote in. No. Here. Dude, I'm so. <laughs> Never mind. This is a. <laughs> this is gonna be great. Yeah, that's all right. This so is the Julie show, anyway. So a woman. Wa- why you gotta be rude? <laughs> I'm not being rude. I'm being silly. I'm not. I I said it with a smile and, and like laughing the whole time. You always say it though. I do, in a laughing manner. I apologize. Dude. Anyways, go back to that thing about women always being offended and defensive. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. What what thing about women? Oh, we're yeah, just a ago. let's go. Women being defensive? What do you mean? Didn't you just say that? No? no? No, it's not defensive. What's the word you just used? Come on, you guys. You know the word she just used. Oh, f- fuck my life. Okay, we should probably start this over. So she said that she feels like she's... Re- so she writes in again and says that her mother-in-law Jealous. basically feels like she's Jealous, re- being replaced by her. Okay. And Jealous. I feel like that's a very normal mother-daughter-in-law thing and it's unfortunate because love only grows right you'd hope uh and she says that she also wants my stepdaughter to always choose her now that's kind of ridiculous i don't feel like no there's a time and a place for everything i mean you know it's just an irrational fear because when you are a grandmother you're usually there from day one when child is born yeah but you when should- you're a stepmother you're not there from day one child is born. So the bond, like logically, the bond that a grandmother would have with grandchild is different on so many levels than the bond a stepmother would have with a stepchild. They're not even on the same plane. And so it's kind of silly, in my opinion, that a mother-in-law would be insecure or jealous over the grandchild because it's completely different. It's not a competition like stepmother, grandmother. Um, I would, you know, in our home, I feel like our kids' grandparents are much closer to them than we are with our stepkids. 
Yeah, probably. So, like, my parents are closer to my kids. Oh, your parents are closer to your kids than any of us are. But, you know, you know closer yeah. than you are to my kids. Oh, for sure. Your kids are closer to your parents than, you than I am. Yeah. And I think that that's normal because they've been there since day one. So yeah, but also not... they don't have to deal with the day in and day out consequences and the... They, they're the... They're the fun ones, you know? Grandparents are always the fun ones. Grandparents are the ones that show up and leave. They show up, yeah. they give candy, they give presents, they give hugs, they give kisses, they leave. Right. You know what I mean? They're not there the day in and day out for the hard lessons and the discipline. And, um, yeah, I mean, they are if we ask them to, but they're not the ones yelling at them at night to brush their teeth or get off the computer or you know, clean up their room. Like that's what us as parents, like that's what we do. Yeah. You know, and that's why it's easier for the kids just to bond with the grandparents because nine out of 10 times, the grandparents are just the fun, easy ones. Yeah. That's very, very true. They're not the bad guys very often. Not as Well, yeah, not as often. Not as often. Um, But I think grandparents are also, and I know my mom has always said this about her relationship with my kids is like, Grandparents are a, are they're a safe space, you know. They're they're consi- they're they've been. I know it's going to show up on video. If you're and listening like to a, this, like a gnat or a fly. Julia's smacking things out of the air, trying to <laughs> Look grab at this them. Thing. Come on, Kimosabi-san. Oh my gosh! So I think you got them. <laughs> grandparents are kind of a constant, you know. Marriages, if you're in a blended family, have come and gone. Relationships broken. And normally parents are, grandparents are constant for kids. And I think that also really plays into why kids are drawn to them and um, really latch on to them a lot is because it's just familiar. It's not been torn apart. Nothing's really changed in their lives. Um, But also I want to address the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship a little bit because I think that if the son or the husband the male in that trifecta had a conversation with his mom and just said, listen, you have nothing to be insecure about. Like, I love you, mom. I'm always going to be in your life, mom. I also love my wife, but me getting married doesn't take away from the love or respect or honor or value I feel for you. Um, I think that sons should have more of those conversations with their mothers. I would, you know, I would value that as a mom when my son gets married for him just to be like, I still love you. And I know we're called upon to do that. Like the Bible calls upon us to leave our parents and go be, you know, with our, with our spouse, you know, like we create a new life. Right. And I think especially in this day and age, a lot of people are it's it's funny because i feel like a lot of people are a lot more distanced due to like the social media and the yeah. the screens and all that type of stuff mm-hmm. yet when it comes to and maybe it's people just making up for it like when it's too late but i feel like also kids aren't as deep independent as they once were like even way before our time you know like our parents probably moved out of the house, you know, by the time they were 18, you know, in their time, kids didn't stay in a house, you know, past 20. If, if so, then they were considered full blown losers or, you know, whatever it was. Whereas now it's not unheard of 
for a 25 year old to be living with their parents, oh my you gosh. know, but yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a like, whole another topic. No, it totally for is. Blended families. But you know, like are people trying to make up for it now because it's too late? It's like, wait, we didn't get the time in when it was valuable. You know what I'm saying? So the in-laws are inserting themselves on a greater level they're because just, they're not done with their kids yet at that point, you know, as being their children. Yeah. I think you're never done. With, I, I, th- I think empty nesting is a really People talk about it and how horrible it is. And I have to imagine when you're an empty nester, it just changes your whole life. It changes your free time. You now have so much of it. You have to now look at your spouse every day and have no one else in the home to serve as a a buffer or a distraction. And it really just changes your whole living dynamic. So I get that. And I think that a lot of bored in-laws insert themselves into their kids' lives because, quite frankly, it's like the the neighbor across the street who has nothing better to do than look out their window and report shit all day long or n- be nosy and then go <laughs> gossip around the neighborhood. You said across the street. <laughs> <laughs> Our neighbor across the street does not do that. I don't I, think no. that, do they? <laughs> no, Gosh. definitely not across the street. Creepy. <laughs> Maybe next door. No. But anyway... So I think in-laws, and then the consequences of that, you know, I just think in-laws, get your own lives, live your own lives, travel, enjoy your marriage, and let your kids enjoy their marriage. You know, be there as a support, offer advice when asked only, um, and love on your children and, and be a good example of a strong marriage if you're married, you know, um, be a problem solver not a problem starter. I feel like we should teach an in-law class and we're not in-laws yet, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had very difficult in-laws. Yeah, but how about my how about yours now? No, difficult? my in-laws now are not, but I have I'm like they're as easy going as they go. But I've learned a come? lot. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they are the example of what to do, and I've also seen the example of like not how to be. Yeah. And I just, in my previous marriage, I actually didn't really have in laws. I did, but I didn't. Um, They were not present. I met my father in law twice. I met him once when we were married, and I met him once when we were going through our divorce. And then our, or my, what, what, mother in law, sorry, I'm slow tonight, you guys. My mother in law, I obviously met her a few, you know, quite a few times, and I think towards the end of it, my ex moved her in to live with us after she healthy moved me out. That sounds like a great fix. <laughs> it was kind of awesome. Um, anyways, no, it was not awesome. Um, but yeah, so I really didn't have the whole in-law thing. They lived in different states until the end there. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I haven't really had to deal with it like you have. Yeah. You oh, gosh. The- I've had lots of in-laws. <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, But I think as children, we also need to respect who our parents are. It's kind of a fine line because they're old as fuck and they're not going to change. Can I tell you I had a dream? Yeah. This is no, this is unrelated just because I cursed right now. So I had a dream that our pastor pulled me aside and talked to me about my cussing on our podcast and was like, <laughs> I would totally tell people to come listen, but dot, dot, dot. Yeah. I totally got talked to. I was like, I, 
I just in your dream that. Huh? in my dream. Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> um, but God knows my heart and I won't be fake no, and until God changes me. Here I am guys. Until God changes her. Here I am guys. But, um, <laughs> I pray for God changes me all the time. No, I don't always love who I am, you are. but, um, I think as kids, we need to respect who our parents are and kind of let go of the idealistic dream that they're going to turn into something they're not. Um, just as much as we would want our parents to just accept who we are and yeah, we aren't going to turn into something waste we're not. so much time on that, you know, like. Acceptance, like, live and let ex- live. Yeah, without being so coexistence, <laughs> you know, like I'm really like, you know what, like why focus your energy into, um. And I'm not talking like spiritual energy. I'm talking about physical, everyday, living life energy. If someone isn't the way you want them to be, mm-hmm. like don't waste your time trying to change them. Sure, but it's hard when you get hurt over and over by it. It yes. is retraining so, yourself not to feel hurt. Yeah, but that's a bummer because now you're changing for someone else. Like learn to either live with them and love them for who they are and what they are or work on yourself and change who you are and set better examples. Yeah. And do lots of listening. Yes. Amen. Yes, but you have to change who you are because you yes. can all you can do is work on yourself. You cannot right. change anyone else. So the only options are like you cut them out of your life and remove them from the situation if it's super toxic. I don't think keeping toxic in-laws in your marriage is healthy. But that's also an extreme, too. I'm like, put them at a distance. Like, don't completely... They're still your in-laws. They're still... Want to meet my dad? Your spouses. (laughs) I have. And you know what? Like, You want him to come back? (laughs) No, but listen. You've cut him completely out of your life and for your own reasons and everything. Mm -hmm. But if you tomorrow said, you know what? I feel like this isn't the right decision. I'm not going to hold you to that. I'm going to be like, all right. Well, that's still your dad. Yeah, like, I never asked you, like, do you support that or do you uh, not yes, support that? Yes, um, but it's because I support you. Like, I support your decisions. I support uh-huh. your feelings and the way you feel about the situation. And I understand that. Like, they're very valid reasons. Uh-huh. But, but do you think it's a healthy, it was a healthy decision for me? I think it's healthy for you, yes. I think because of what was happening and the way it was happening and what was going on and all the circumstances, it was kind of your only option to keep you healthy and keep you sane. Yeah. But if you're like, you know what, I've had a long enough break and I would like to talk to my dad and maybe just go visit him, you know, maybe not on a weekly thing or a monthly thing, maybe an annual or even a biannual thing. You're like, I'm just going to check in and see how he is, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're just, we're not going to be Facebook friends and we're not, but you know what I mean? Like this is still your father. Like, so Mm -hmm. if it's something that you, that you wanted to do, I'd support you in that. And yeah. People taking extremes, that's for your own health and your own benefit. Like, if that's something that you need to do, then do it. But also, if it's like, this person isn't so toxic that I need to completely cut them out of my life. I just need to, I need less time with them. Mm -hmm. And I've had friends like that, you know, where you're like, I don't want to not be friends with this person. Like, Mm -hmm. they're still, if I see them in the store, I'm going to check on them, see how they're doing, you know. And if, if I see them from time to time or I'll call them and check on them but I'm not going to completely cut this person out of my life. I'm just going to distance myself. Yeah. And that's healthy too, I think. It is. I think it is by case by case and relationship by relationship. But I think that no matter if they're friends or in-laws or family, that you always choose your spouse and your, you know, your family under your roof and your spouse comes first. 
you know, before, I think another thing that really happens in, in blended family marriages is that the parents still get chosen over the spouse. Yeah. And one of our listeners, and that's hard. Megs, thanks for chiming in. Um, she actually said that her husband told um, his mom uh-huh. that his wife is going to come first. Like she needs to get over herself. And that's the right thing to do. Like put right. your spouse first. And a lot of people write in and ask about how to create boundaries. Boundaries are really like a subjective term. And this is how you do it, right? You communicate and you draw a line in the sand. You know, you let somebody, you love somebody enough to let them know your boundaries. So my wife is going to come first. That is kind of a boundary line. What are we talking here? What? (laughs) Wives should always come first. I know. I'm making jokes, inappropriate jokes. They're only funny when you make them. If they come at all. Yes. (laughs) Only funny when she makes them. Well, I didn't get it at first because I was so in it, but yes, you know, so I think there are a lot of consequences and I think there are consequences when you choose your parents over your spouse. I think that does no favors for your marriage and you're probably not ready to be married. Yeah, I agree. Or you married the wrong person if you feel like yeah, you want to choose your parents over your spouse, probably not the right person that you got married, you know, (laughs) like rethink that. Um, all right, moving on. This was an interesting thing because we were, our moms were actually both over to our house today. Do you have something you want to chime No, in? one of our, one of our listeners. Uh-huh. And, uh, she said, wishes she could watch live. She's in Australia uh-huh. and it's 3 p.m. on Friday. I'm on break at work. Hopefully I can catch up when I get home. Uh-huh. And you know what? Uh, actually, thanks for chiming in. But today we aren't even live because we're having so many random issues because of a windows update of all things so you're not missing out today but uh thank you for for tuning in and congratulations on it being friday at three yes i know right we still have a long time to wait till our friday at three um so our moms are both over today and we got talking about like you know they always want to know what we're going to be talking about tonight and i have to say i have to put a shout out to my mom she has talked about a lot on our podcast and sometimes in the not most lovely light, but I love my mom. She's that I just use, I, I use my own life examples for lessons that I've learned. Yeah. My mom is, and I just, I feel like I need to say my mom is an amazing woman, probably the smartest woman I've ever met. And she has been there for me from day one till now, she has accepted all my choices. She's been there to help me pick up pieces. Um, she really has been my ride or die she's, as much as... She's taught you more in your lifetime than most people learn in an entire lifetime. That is true. So, and I know that I, you know, she will never not love me. And we have the kind of relationship that we can be honest with each other. You know, I have been brutally honest with her. She's been pretty honest with me, I feel. Um, so... I just have to say that, like, she is, she and I have a relationship where I can Where'd you learn your vocabulary from, though? Because your mom doesn't have the same vocabulary as you. She doesn't cuss quite as much as you do. She does not. Like, at all. My stepdad. Yeah. Instilled fuck shit. Hey. Bitch. Wow. Damn it. Okay, enough. Would you like me to go on? No, we're just bleeping you out here. Um, Keep going, I'll press the button. (laughs) So they were both over, and we were discussing what topics we'd be talking about tonight. 
And when, so they got into this topic. It was funny. It was like teen driving. Um, we had someone write, and I think it was on our blended life support group on Facebook. We were talking about, um, like, how do you control? It was, it was like, there was a 15 and a half year old kid time for permit driving permit. Yeah. Obviously divorced parents. Dad says yes. Mom says no. Yeah. To get the driving permit, even if dad pays for it. So then that comes, that that naturally progresses to, oh my gosh, this kid has going to have a license eventually, <laughs> God willing, right? And a car. And when you have a blended family situation and you have a kid living between two households, you know, how do you regulate driving and car privileges into homes? And I think that people talk a lot about co-parenting, but I think co-parenting is even more important in the teenage years when kids are trying to really insert or assert their independence and they're really trying to test boundaries on a whole new level. Um, And so if you can work out your co-parenting issues and communication when the kids are younger, um, do that at all costs because when they're older, I mean, yeah, it's good. And it's just going to cause a lot more problems when they're older and kids are going to, you know, I can have a car at this house, but I can't have a car at that house. And yeah, independence and driving. I know for me as a teenager was everything. Yeah. Are you kidding me? It's awesome. The The bright side to that is if one of the parents says no and all the parent the, the person who says no has all the power, as you always state, mm-hmm. they have two years. And then they are 18 and then they can drive themselves, which yes, what it like, it's terrible. Get on the same what page. What a disservice. Like, but why what not? A dis- yes. You no, know, I completely agree with you. All the reasons. But don't let it set you off the tracks to where you're doing things, causing problems, losing mm-hmm. respect of your kid, you know, getting into a custody battle that you're not going to be able to dig yourself out of. Going Mm -hmm. to jail over it. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, people go to extremes over this. Like, just be like, all right, you know what? Yes, don't go to jail over a kid driving. That's what I'm saying. But you know what I mean? It causes people, like, these custody battles and these co-parenting fights get nasty sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's two years, you know, less than a thousand days, and this will be over. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I, you know, I think as parents, we all get irrational at points and we all have our reasons for saying no. And I think the parent who says no does have all the power, but with that's I, that's like a generalization with something as big and life changing and like such a, a milestone is driving is it's such a rite of passage that with things like that, how my process goes, if I, if I was like, no, they're not ready, they're immature, they can't even brush their teeth in the morning and they're going to drive a car and I just don't feel like my child's ready. If that was my no, and I felt like I had very valid reasons and I was getting fought with about my ex about it, right? my thought process would go like this. If we were to go, vacations are another thing too. If we were to go before a judge, are these re- is a judge going to be like, you're right, this kid should not drive because they can't brush their teeth in the morning. Right. Yeah, no. They're, a judge would not agree with no. that. Like, you would have to have very significant, like, but you know, my kid has it, seizures, and he probably shouldn't get his car. Then the judge would be like, 
you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> Probably shouldn't drive. But if you're just like, he's immature, well, guess what? Every 15-year-old is immature. And I think you have to kind of talk yourself like that. Like, if I was going to go stand in front of a judge, would my reasons hold up to a third party? But also make sure that they're not selfish reasons. Like, make sure that you're not doing it to control what goes on in the other house or control your mm-hmm. kid from access to the other house. You know, stuff oh, like that. Make sure that you're saying no for the right reasons. Yeah. You know? And on the flip side of that, if the other parent is saying no, well, you know what? Like, I think that if you go and get your kid, and I'm not saying, like, this is probably the best way to do it, but I'm like, by the time you get your kid the permit and you teach them kind of under the radar how to drive, by the time it's time for them to get their actual license, they're going to be a lot better driver. Now, the other parent might not be happy with them having their permit, but by the time, if they're even going to take you to court and go through all that, by the time that goes through, again, is the judge going to be angry that you went and got the which is a permit, normal thing? Which is a normal thing. You and didn't a right do anything of out of the way. You know, you're not doing anything. No, that is, is, wrong. is it going to get thrown out? And or by the time right. it goes through the system, is your kid going to be old enough that it's <laughs> eighteen? Doesn't even <laughs> matter, and it won't. Yeah. You know what I mean? So kind of weigh out your options there. Like you're right there at that age. Totally. And it's crazy to me that anybody, I get the immature thing and not wanting a kid to drive because they're all at 15. What child's mature, but why would you not want your kid to have as much time with you as their parent before they're 18 to practice with them as possible? It's not like they get a permit at 15 and like, here you go. Have fun. You know, they have to have you in the car. Or an adult. So many rules and regulations and boundaries. And and, the more you can control their use of a car and and what they're learning about and how they're learning to drive, you know, if you just are like, I'm firm on this and my kid's going to wait till they're 18, and then the kid waits and they're 18, and now they don't need you. you, they're, They're learning on their own. They don't have, you know, I just think that it's counterintuitive to say no when you're in a position to have complete control and so much influence over such a big thing. Right. Like, why would you not want that for your child? Yeah. No, okay. I agree. I, it's, it's, and it only makes things easier on you as, as yeah. they grow up and it makes easier on them. Yeah. And it's a normal thing. Yeah. And the other thing we were talking about with cars is like, so, um, attaining new cars, You know, how does that look? And I think that I've been thinking a lot about this and you might have a different opinion, but I think that I like the idea of a used car. First of all, first car. Yeah. Why not? Why? I mean, unless, and then, you know, unless you have more money than you know what to do with and cars are not an issue and. I would hope you'd make your kid work for it in some regard. Yeah, I'm, but some people just don't, you yeah. know, but, and that's their own decision. But for us normal folks, like a used car is a normal thing for. Right. And yeah. it teaches them, I think it's a good lesson to learn how to work on a car, change the oil. What about this? Say one of our kids started working now uh-huh. and made lots of money mm-hmm. or saved lots of money mm-hmm. or made it big and they're making lots of money mm-hmm. and they decide, Hey, I'm 16 years old. I just got my license. Mm-hmm. I want to go buy a brand new car. 
mm-hmm. a brand new expensive car. Mm-hmm. What's your feelings on that? Because they're still can they get a loan on their own? Um, at sixteen, yeah. I'm well. No, say they even have cash for it. Say they just want say say they want to go buy a brand new hundred thousand dollar car, and they have a hundred thousand dollars. They they're able to obtain it. They need us for nothing. Do we <laughs> let them do it? Yes, I know. It, it, yes, it would be a miracle, right? But well, no, I just you, think I, I'm what, like, I mean because we're still the parent. They're still juveniles. I think that if a kid like listen, if any of our kids got twenty grand or thirty grand, then their car options would be significantly different than if they didn't have that. Right. I think that if they make money and they want to buy a car, okay. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Where but I'm like, you know what? You earned it. You're paying for it. Like, it's yours. Insurance is going to be a hell of a lot more on yep. a Lamborghini than it would be a well, used Lamborghini's Honda. Well, not hundred grand, but yeah. You know what I mean. Right. So then you think about that. Like, they have cash for a car, but can they afford insurance? Yeah. No, that, yeah. The fuel. Right. What it's going to take to fix so that's expensive our part. So car. that's our place as parents to be like, yes, you can afford it. In as, theory. As the car. But also look at can all the back-end stuff. Can you afford maintenance? Can you afford yes. insurance? Can you afford the fuel? Can you afford... The speeding tickets. When a headlight goes out, does it need a special $10,000 headlight? I don't know. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. When brakes go out. <laughs> yes. Carbon ceramics are <laughs> extremely expensive. I mean, you know, I, I think there's so much more to it than just the actual car. Right. Um, but I don't have a problem with it if they have a plan and they are... If they're making money hand over fist and that's not an issue... Uh, then that's fine. They've earned it. Yeah. Okay, cool. But I think that, I mean, I would be comfortable with, we really haven't had too many discussions about this, but like helping with a down payment. Yeah. Which we did, like, we did with my daughter. And I like, I think that taught, that was like us still being able to be parents. And I think parents naturally want to give to their children. Right. And I think that's okay. You know, I think that it's a, it's a push pull. It's like you give, but then you have to teach. So I like the idea of giving, you know, money for a down payment on a used car right. and then they need to pay the monthly payments yeah. on said used car. And that will determine what kind of used car they're getting. You know, they should have a job, right? They don't get a car without yeah. a job. But also helping them determine what those monthly payments right. are, you know, because the kid might make, let's say a young kid, they're making 500 bucks a month mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, well, I can totally afford a $300 a month payment, I'm making 500 bucks, mm-hmm. you know? Well, first thing they might not know about is say they're making 500 bucks as, you know, not, you know, tax-free, but they have to pay taxes at the end of the year. So they're not equating that mm-hmm. or um, find out how much their insurance is going to cost first. They're not mm-hmm. equating that and the fuel and what their daily commute is, you know? Oil. They, how often is your old car going to need oil Oil or tires? You know, if you're, Brakes. if you're, yeah, it might be some, some nice, pretty car, you know, when it comes stock with, you know, 21 inch wheels, which, you know, everyone's like, oh, 22 inch wheels, you know, tires are cheap. Yeah. But you go to a 21, which is right between the 20 and a 22. And now all of a sudden your tires are twice as much as both the tires right around it. You know, so kids don't necessarily know that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, some cars take special oils, more oil than others. You know, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors that play into this. And if you don't know as a parent, that's one of those things to I feel like everyone knows a mechanic these days. But if you don't, you know, 
go to, I, I wouldn't say go to a dealership. Dealership's just going to want to sell you the car regardless, and they're going to tell you everything's all right. Go to your local, like say your kid wants to buy a BMW. Go to your local auto house, you know, your BMW, your German car dealership, and be like, hey, listen, my kid's interested in this. Like, bottom line, what's this going to cost me? And there's a lot of cars that you can buy that were once, you know, $120,000 cars or more that you can now buy for less than $20,000. Now, yes, that's awesome to all these kids because they're like, yeah, these things are great. But then what happens when mm-hmm. all the little hidden secrets that are in the closet start to come out? You know, there's cars that you can now buy that were, you know, 150 grand that you can now buy for less than $20,000 yep. and your valve seals go out. Now, if you take that to a dealership, they're going to charge you $20,000 to fix that. If you take that to your local auto house, like I just told you about, uh-huh. they're going to charge you in the ballpark of six dollars to $12,000 to replace those. Mm-hmm. And you're also out your car for a week or two or three. You know what I mean? So it's all these little hidden things that a lot of people might not know. It's like, yeah, the car looks all shiny, fun, and new, but what happens when it has one of these things that are going to happen. Right. You know, for instance, like a car with an N62 in it, it's going to have valve seals fail at some point in time, 100% failure rate. People don't know about that. Yeah. Anyways. I think it's a really good learning opportunity for kids when you start having a car. And I think that's how parents need to approach it with their kids. Um, And there's a million reasons not to hand them something, but to make them part of the decision and part of the, it's a really, it's a process that they can learn so many life lessons from that will serve them well as an adult. So I invite, invite parents not to gloss over that, but to really spend the time with their kids and, and talking to them and planning it out and, you know, having them have a budget and explaining to them why and researching how much replacement parts are and what kind of oil, like you said. Yeah, it's, and it's totally our job as parents yeah. to make sure our kids don't fail in right. this department because this might be their first real loan, you know, and, and most likely it's going to be a cosign, which you're part of also. So yeah. if you bail them out of that, like that's not going to help them. Right. Or but if you're also, like, you don't have to work part way through and then you start just taking over payments and they do nothing for that. You know, I don't know what that's teaching them. It doesn't set them up in life. But also, you could just let them fail on it, too, and that doesn't help them either. You know, like, help your kids succeed. Right. You know? Start having, like, a lot of people don't know about credit. I didn't learn about credit when I was younger. It's one of those things I learned kind of the hard way. Mm -hmm. Kind of. I got lucky, but also kind of learned the hard way when I was younger, but not enough to, like, completely ruin my life. And I'm like, oh, this is how it works. So, like, if you guys know about credit... Or you don't. Like, leave comments. If you guys are curious about credit and want to know how to work on it, like, leave comments below, and I'll help answer questions. Because it's one of those things, like, you're really good. Well, you're you're good at. Your mom is extremely good at. Your parents are good at. And I'm extremely good at. Like, it's our, I think about credit every day. But it's one of those things that is part of the car buying process that people don't take into consideration and their kids don't learn about until it's too late. Yeah. My soapbox. Okay. What do you do, though, if the other parent is like, hey, I'm just going to... I mean, that's all fine and well. That's one side. Right. Then there's the other parent. What if the other parent's like, well, hey, I'm going to bait my kid, right, and I'm just going to buy them a new car? You know, what happens when on their 16th birthday, 
the kids, your child's at their other parent's house and they come screaming down the driveway to your house so excited because <laughs> they got whatever car. Yeah. That, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. Um, I would I mean, try it's, to it, it's a bummer, but that, it's not. Right? Like, it's like, oh, you know, like, cool, but also, like, there's so many lessons that are lost in that. But I think that parents don't think about co-parenting that before it happens. Because I think what happens is that everyone's excited about a kid's 16th birthday. Right. And I think it's really important to get ahead of it. Like at age 15, maybe you and your ex kind of try to co-parent what 16 is going to look like. Like, right. what are we going to do about the car situation? You know, I wouldn't do it like the week before 16 happens. No. But I would like- start it during the driver's ed process. Like, okay, we're doing driver's ed. Let's talk about how we're going to do the car thing. Yeah, that 15... That 15 15- birthday the 15th birthday yeah like that's when you guys are like hey in the next six months they're gonna start doing this when are they gonna start taking it are they gonna start taking it where are they gonna take it right but i'm talking about buying a car yeah like but- let's talk about when they turn 16 how is our kid gonna get a car and if you guys are at odds about it at least you know that the potential is going to be that your of uh, your ex is gonna buy a car like i just don't think that it's awesome to be blindsided by that um, it's not fun. I hate being surprised with stuff like that. So if I had this conversation with my ex at 15, when my kid turns 15 and I knew that was a possibility, at least I'm not surprised. And at least I can head, you know, have those conversations and talk to my kid the 15 year about things, even though I might not get to be involved in the car buying process, because you can't tell a parent they can't gift a child something I don't think a judge would be like, no, the dad can't buy the son. But what if you're the parent that really just doesn't care now? Because you're a lot more sensitive than some people are in that situation. Maybe, maybe the parents, maybe you listening right now are like, I would really just like it if the other parent would just go buy a car for my kid. Well, then that's I don't have to worry about it. But because you're a lot different than that. Like, I know that's not your frame of mind. And when I just don't want to miss out on exp- it's It's just hard. You have your kids half the time. You're missing out on half their life. Right. And so it always bums me out to miss out on my kids' lives. You know, right. we, they, we have them for 18 short years as it is, according to you, maybe 25. 35. Um, oh, God, help us. Um, and times are only getting tougher. I mean, we might just all live happily together under one roof for three generations. Could you imagine? No, <laughs> I have no desire for that. Um, Some people do that though, and it works yes, for them. They have five anyway. Never mind. <laughs> I'm not even going to be rude about that. Um, but I just so for me, it's like I to be removed from that. A bit, you know, 16 is a big deal. Driving is a big deal. It was a big deal to me, and I really would feel bummed to miss out on all that. You know, I even think like. I know my son is going to be with his father when he turns 16 on his 16th birthday, the way our custody agreements go. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm probably going to miss out on him taking his driving test. I probably will show up and be there just because. <laughs> because. I can. No, but it's something you don't want to miss. But, you know, but also, I also think of that. But I'm also like, you're the one that really cares about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I'm thinking back when I took my driver's test. My mom just took me, and any of our normal listeners know my parents are still together. My dad was at work. My dad wasn't like, man, I have to be there. 
But I don't think you your know? dad ever felt like he was missing out on your life. I no, think it's I different when you're but, like but sharing also, custody. But remember this too, though. When a kid goes to take a driver's training test, mm-hmm. like they get in the car and go take a driver's training test. You just sit there at the DMV and wait for him to come yeah, back. Yeah, but like to hopefully. see the moment when they come back proud of themselves. Like or not. The moment they, st- or not. Right. You know, but that moment of like, I, my mom was there too. And I remember getting out of the car and being Did you like, pass yours the first time? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Duh. I'm a great driver. <laughs> I am. Where's my crickets? There they are. Whatever. But I don't know. Like, I just remember, like, being so proud and really couldn't wait to tell my mom. And then my mom handed me the keys and I got to drive home Did on parents? my own. I think my, both my parents came right. Did you they, already have a car? Um, so my first car was my grandpa's old car. Okay. So it wasn't anything I got. I didn't buy it, and it wasn't anything my parents bought. It was a 1989 Dodge Lancer. Oh, so it was like two years old. <laughs> yeah, I was born in 81. Okay. It was a 1989 Dodge Lancer with okay. a turbo engine. And, Let me I guess. mean, 1.8 liter. It was gray. Um, and it was. How many valves? I don't know. 24. So. But I remember, like, the roof, um, the in- the interior was, like, always sagging down. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, leopard print or zebra no, print or something. It was gray. It was gray on the out. It was, like, Just silver kidding. gray on the outside and yeah. gray silver on the inside. Nice. But I, I, you know, it was saggy, like, none of the material. It was a, but I loved it because it was mine. I didn't even care. That's it. The kids, kids I didn't don't care what care. it looked like. I was just like, this is my car. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was lucky that my grandfather had a car that he didn't use, and I, you know, I got to have that, and that was how I got my first car. I know you bought your first car yourself. I did. But so. I also was kind of like one of those kids that I was talking about at the beginning of this, and, like, was working. I had started working, like, before it was time to buy a car. Right. Making good money, and, like, I just got lucky, and. You got to buy your car. Got to, yeah. Pick it out. That's really cool. Um, so I think if a parent gifts someone, gifts your child a car, you kind of got to roll with it and still try to teach them the lessons that they need to learn. Um, but then you also are allowed to let the other parent pick up the pieces, right? So your kid comes to you because this 2020 BMW was something really expensive that could happen. I don't know what any M series. Okay, well, something breaks, and they're like, mom and dad, or mom, stepdad, I need money to fix this. And you can be like, oh, yeah, you should probably go talk to the other parent about that. Right. Like, you know, I wasn't, you know, I think that you also have to, uh, then the the burden of fixing the car and insuring the car and all that stuff for the car is placed on the person who bought it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of... If you're taken out of that equation, then I think that you will feel better if you were like, I'm out of this equation. Yeah. Then that's on you. But I think it's a tricky thing. I think it's a conversation that I haven't had to have with my ex. Like, what? We're going to lose Instagram here in just a moment. Bye, Instagram. We'll see you later. But, you know, whose insurance does your kid go on? Do they go on both? That's just double spending money. You need to have ahead of time, though. Yeah. And so if the if your ex says no, then that forces your hand to either you have to put them on your right. insurance and foot that bill right. or your kid doesn't drive. Yep. 
And that's kind of an unfair. This is where the power of no. This is what I mean by the power of no. You want your kid to drive so that you no pushback from the other side. Like everyone's in agreement kids should drive. But then rubber meets the road and there's like insurance and there's who's going to pay for certain things. And the person who says no then forces it like they have all the power that forces the other parent hand. But also don't use that as a tactic. Like, oh, I can say no and then I can get out of everything. Well, that's not right. Like be a better person. Be a better parent than that. Yeah. Show up for your kids. Do the right thing. Yeah. Discipline. But also, like, you know, going back to your points earlier, like, if you think it's truly not a good idea or something's just not right or you just can't do it, like, maybe it's a no, but follow up with the reasons why. Yeah. And, you know, maybe solutions or not right now, but in six months from now, you know, like, you know, try to come up with something that's going to help this situation. Right. And if you're in a different financial situation from your ex, whether it is your better off or worse off, you know, I invite you to help out where you can. So if you can't contribute to the purchasing of the car or paying for insurance, you know, maybe you are handy and can change the oil. You know, maybe you're handy and can, I don't know, maybe you can show up other ways when it comes to the car situation than just footing the bill. You know, get creative, but try to be involved and well, let your kids you see help. that you're thinking outside the box, Maybe you too. can't help with the down payment, but you can add them on to your insurance. Right. You know, like, there's lots of gives and pulls. It doesn't have to be split perfectly 50-50 down right. the road, you know? Yeah, maybe you can't come up with $1,000 up front for a down payment, but you can afford to contribute $20 a month to their car payment. You know, you kind of have to think outside the box what works for you, but I think it's important that you tell, like, your kids need to see that you're willing to show up for them. Even if it is in a small way, it is still you sacrificing and showing up for them. Um, before we leave this topic, though, really quick, oh, and this is probably what we're going to end on this topic. Um, wow. Is that your watch? It's my watch. My watch is like, I don't have an answer for all of your bullshit. <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, go to blendedlife.com. They've got all, everything <laughs> you need. But then, okay, so then discipline, right? Like, if you take the car away because your child, you know, your 16 year old you found out was doing bad stuff after curfew, didn't make it home, whatever the case is, and you're like, first thing to go is the car. First thing, you park that car, you're not driving it. Right. The other household doesn't support that. And they're like, well, come here and you can drive all you want. And I think that it's really, again, this is why co-parenting is super important, especially when your kids are driving and living between two households. The hope is, is that punishment would stick in both households. Right. Hopefully parents are good parents. Like if your kids are being naughty and doing stuff they aren't, should not be doing, and that's an appropriate punishment that both sides would uphold that punishment because the the lesson you're teaching the child is good. But what happens if it's not the case? How well, do you handle that? You you don't. The, that's the problem is you're not co-parenting. Like you can really only hold the punishment in your own household. And you can't let that affect your daily just, you know, you, you can't let that consume you. Because the other house isn't parenting and they aren't helping you and they're not sticking with your plan. Like that is one of the tough things about being a blended family 
or a multifamily household, you know, like it doesn't, it's, it's one of those things like you can't control that. So you tell the kids and maybe you don't get mad at the kids because it's not the kid's fault that they're not getting punished at the other house, but let them know, like, listen, you're grounded here. The other family isn't grounding you. I'm disappointed in that. And these are the reasons why. And let them know, you know, just have a heart to heart with them. Be like, these are the lessons you're supposed to be learning. Mm-hmm. And this is the reason why. And don't get mad at them and yell at them and curse at them and take it out on them because they're not getting they're not getting punished at the other house. Like that's not their yeah. fault that they're not getting punished. Totally. Like just have the conversation with them and be like, I'm pretty disappointed in this because you're not learning these lessons. I think yeah. that'll resonate. It will. I think kids are hungry for structure and discipline because I think that they're hungry to learn. And I think that kids at some, I think even unconsciously when they get older, they start to realize they're going to be on their own soon and they better absorb as much as possible. Um, But I think too, you can't let like stick to your guns, stick to your convictions, stick to your values just because the other house isn't going to punish doesn't mean you should just roll over, throw your hands up in the air and be like, well, shit, I guess I, you know, or, and don't let fear rule either. Like my kid's going to not want to be here anymore because dad is super easygoing and has no rules. Um, that also is not a really helpful like life lesson. And that fear is not teaching your kids what they need to learn. So even if your kid decides, hey, guess what? I like it better at dad's and I'm leaving and I'm going to go live with him. Right. You know, you don't back down from, you don't let fear make you back down from what you know is right. Because even if they're living in the other household and that breaks your heart, you know that the lessons you're teaching them is that they will take notice, even if it's later, that you were true to your convictions. And they will hear in their head that, that was wrong. You know, whatever you were punishing them for, that what they did was wrong, and that will stick with them. It will not stick with them if you roll over and, and just give in because they threatened to live with dad right. or mom. <coughs> so yeah. I think that it's unfortunate. It's a reality of divorced parenting and co-parenting, um, and I think things get bigger with cars and you know, is there a certain asserting their independence? And I think you got to just, I got, I got to grow a th- thicker skin. Yeah. And there's lots of room for lessons in the whole car teen driving yeah. thing. There's so many lessons that are going to be learned and a lot of issues that are going to come up. And um, there's just a lot that you can do there. Yeah. This time isn't correct, right? We have all this little... time's correct. Oh, yes. dang it. I was going to try to squeeze another topic in. You can do it. Go for it. Can I? Yeah. We'll make up for the intro. To and this. the only reason I'm going to squeeze it in is because I told someone we would talk about it tonight. Let's do it. So I just didn't want to leave them hanging. You made them wait till the end. I did. So yeah. somebody asked if we could talk about how to not let your insecurities or your past hurts from your failed marriage or relationship come into your current one. Oh yeah <laughs> we're like yeah oh. uh, um, you, you need to let go of that i mean really like um you can't again you can't control the other person but you need to be secure in the reason in, in the reasons that you're with this current spouse and you need to look into yourself and be like do i trust myself 
do I trust who I am and that I'm loving this person enough for them not to cheat on me, lie to me, steal from me, hurt me, whatever the things may be, you know, and be secure in who you are and how you're loving that person that they're not going to turn around and do those things to you. And I think that's a lesson you and I have learned because we've had a lot of hurt in our past and in past relationships and failed marriages. And it would be really easy for me to be insecure with you and um, just, you know, take out my previous relationship on you. But that wasn't you. And that's not, I'm not with you because of my previous relationship. I'm with you because of our current relationship. <laughs> We're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> No, you know what I'm saying though? Like, yeah. like leave that, leave your past in your past and be confident yeah. in your new person. Yeah. I think that this is a reality. I think that, I think when you enter into another serious relationship before you've healed, this is what happens. When you are in pain and you're seeking to jump into the next thing because you want to be healed or you want validation or you were so heartbroken from your past relationship that you need somebody to feel like, you know, you're accepted by somebody, you're loved by somebody. And a lot of people just grab on to the next thing before they're ready. And one thing that, you know, it took us five years and I'm glad that it, we needed that time to heal. And who who's anyone to say how long it should take somebody to get over hurt? You know, I think we right. pressure ourselves to get over it, get over it, get over it. We pressure other people. We tell our friends, like, just get, up, just get back out there. And that's really damaging because the thing that happens is, is this is exactly what happens, is if you're not healed and you're not ready and you don't do the work, to find your value and your self-worth after some pretty horrible things, it will come into your relationship. It will seep in because it's still such a fresh, open wound. And if that is you and you're like, well, I'm married now, so this is not helpful for me, um, I would say go to therapy. I would say work on getting healed. The faster you can get healed, the more relief your spouse will feel, um, the more relief you will feel because it will always be a thing until you can fix it. Um, something that's always helped me when my past has come up to bite me in the ass is I have to look at Eric and be like, you're not my ex. You're not. Like, I have to have that. Not yet anyways. <laughs> one day. <laughs> no. Um but I think it's a lot of like retraining your brain too. Like you have to actively engage with yourself. You know, you have to be like, this is not my ex. This relationship is not my past relationship. If you need to write that down and put it in a book or put it in somewhere you see every day and keep that mantra in your head, that's really, really helpful. Um, and I think that don't fall, if it's trust issues, you know, while it's great to like, Everyone says, you know, leave your phone out and give each other your passwords. But I think it's a dangerous rabbit hole 
while yes, you should be able to look through, if you're dealing with trust issues, I wouldn't look for validation by maybe, you know always what? like maybe rather, checking. Yeah, maybe rather you know than I mean? putting your phones out and having your phone, maybe make a deal that you're going to put your phones away. Like we come home, we're home by, you know, at five o'clock, five thirty, whatever time you get home, you know, like we're going to put our phones away. We're just not going to deal with them. You know, we maybe get a landline. If someone needs to get a hold of us, they call us on our landline. Um, if that's if that's an issue for you. Yeah, you I know? just wouldn't go chasing that to feel better about trusting your spouse. Like, I will feel better and trust my spouse if I look through all, if I sign into all of their social media accounts and I look and through every text in like your, you, like, that's not living. If there's nothing, like, valid right off the point, like, right off the bat that, like, gets to the point of, like, look, I told you, like, this is what was going on. You told me no. You know, if, like, you do it once and it doesn't, nothing shows up right away, like, Quit digging, like you're saying. Quit, like you're saying. Quit going down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I mean, it makes your spouse who's done nothing feel horrible, and then they also may not trust you. Like, you know, there's that thing like do like um if your spouse accuses you of something, it's probably because they're, they're doing, doing it, it them themselves. Yep. And I think that. that's I mean sometimes true, but I think we also abuse our spouse's trust, and then they start to mistrust us. When nothing was going on in the first place and it just causes unnecessary problems and it's annoying and nobody likes the feeling of not feeling trusted when we haven't given you a reason not to trust us. Right. So I think that, you know, you have to work through your issues and I think that a reality is some of it does like you would, you're not the same person you were, right? You have battle scars, you have wounds, you have lessons you learned, you know, you're not the same person you were before you got married the first time. So to expect that you don't carry any of that into your new relationship is kind of unreasonable. However, it can be a good thing, right? Like as much as you hate the insecurities or whatever come with that, you also have to understand that you've learned a lot, you've grown a lot, and there's been a lot of good that's come from that. Yeah. So I think you need to focus on the good. Fuckus. That's What's a, that from? That's a lacy thing. Buckus. Buckus. That's a lacy thing. No, it's from like a movie though. Oh, someone tell me. Someone say. write it down. Buckus. Anyways. Buckus. <laughs> We're going to fuck us out of here. Yeah. So I think that just accept that they're going to come in, but work on it. Yeah. And don't punish your spouse. Don't punish your spouse if there's nothing to be punished for. And but even you have to actively like, be in your head about that sometimes. Yeah. Like you have to actively like talk yourself off a ledge sometimes. And self-talk super important, and that is, like, a huge part of it. Yes. So. So. There's that. There's that. You need more, write me, and I'll type a book. And if you want to watch us live any night but tonight, <laughs> hit that subscribe button and get notified for our live yep. podcast that right now they're every Thursday at 7.30 Pacific Standard Time, and we will yep. interact with you. You can ask us questions. Yep. Um, we love to hear from you guys. Most of our topics now come from you guys. So um, check us out on YouTube. That's where you'll subscribe. Um, email us, message us, let us know what mm -hmm. we can help you with. And use us as an excuse to bring up topics in your marriage. Some people don't know how to bring up topics. You could be like, I listened to this podcast and this is what they said and they're idiots, but let's talk about it. That's the truth. Bye, you guys. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for watching. 
Hey, it's Julie again. I hope this episode of Blended Life started a conversation that you will finish in your home. But I get it, right? Sometimes you need more. My offer still stands. If I can interest you in a free one-on-one breakthrough session with me to see if coaching is right for you, contact me now at becomingheardnow at gmail.com and let's get you unstuck. Becomingheardnow at gmail.com. I look forward to it.